Welcome to the Life of an Average Somebody, a new podcast hosted by my dad, Coach Randy. My dad considers himself average, and that's okay. But to me and my three siblings that didn't want to record this with me, he is somebody. He's also somebody to my mom, his clients, his students, and his friends. In this podcast, my dad is going to share some stories that show how he went from ordinary to extraordinary in the eyes of those that know him best. He'll share how an average person's life could have a tremendous impact on others. Remember, like Dr. Seuss once said, to the world you may be one person, but to one person you may be the world. My dad might only be one person, but hopefully you will find meaning and value in what he has to offer. And who knows, maybe he'll become somebody to you too. Enjoy today's episode and thanks for listening. Hello there, this is Coach Randy. Welcome back to Life of an Average Somebody. We are now episode two, yes, number two, uh, the blueprint of life. Um, I am told that uh, the journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step, um, which we took last week. Um, but often, at least for me, it's not so much the first step as it is the second step, and then the third step and the fourth step as we go through journey in our life and people keep asking me well, what is it about this podcast of life of an average somebody I like the title uh, and frankly for those of you who gave me some feedback uh, yes you're right the best part of the episode uh, is honestly my 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 Michaela my moldest my my middle oldest uh, she does an incredible job in the uh, in the intro uh, so shout out to her and want to thank her for uh, for being there and, and doing that for me and yes that's 100% her personality and uh, looking for great things from her. So yes, right now the, the highlight of life of an average somebody is my daughter, Michaela. Hopefully in a few weeks I can overcome that uh, handicap. Um, and I think we're going to start on something called a blueprint of life. And so if you kind of just bear with me over the next few weeks uh, to understand what I mean by being an average somebody. And this week, education has been in the news uh, big time because schools are supposed to start opening uh, in a few weeks. I think the unsung hero are our teachers of this country. And I don't think anybody truly understands the, the magnitude of change and transformation our teachers had to go through uh, back in um, April to convert from being in a classroom to going online in less than 48 hours in many situations. Uh, so for one, I want to give my mad props and appreciation to all the educators and administrators, not just in my town, but across uh, my state, New Jersey, the country, for what they did. Uh, and now there's a big push to get kids back in the, in the classroom. And I don't think anybody, unless you're an educator, unless you're a teacher, understands the significance of what is being asked at this time. And uh, it's funny because I wanted to uh, tie that into me and about me, about me being a, an average somebody. Uh, my father was in education for, I don't know, 30, 40 years. He was an educator in the Denver public school system. He was a music teacher. 
for a long time. Watched him when he taught at Maury Junior High School, the uh, statewide band that he, uh, the jazz band where he won state championships, and watched him have to go through uh, a transition where music became less important in the curriculum, and so he became a computer teacher, of course, because it just makes sense to go from a music teacher to being a computer teacher, uh, where he taught at South High School for a number of years, but then we had an impact on uh, No Child Left Behind. It impacted him as an educator. My wife has been in education for over 15 years. She has a master's in leadership education. She's an incredible person, uh, wife, partner, friend, mom. Uh, but as an educator, she um, everybody, when she was teaching kindergarten, wanted Mrs. Nathan. And frankly, um, if you know my wife and the kind of teacher she is, it makes complete sense. Everybody wanted Mrs. Nathan. She's a remarkable educator. And I often talk about, if you really want to know what education is like, uh, spend a week in the kindergarten teacher's shoes. And I guarantee you, you will have more respect for anybody who teaches in your life. Uh, there's a special place in heaven for kindergarten teachers and middle school teachers. I'm going to throw them in there too. And my mother-in-law was education. She was a school social worker in Newark for a number of years. I've been around teachers my whole life. I think most of my closest friends are teachers and educators. There's a uniqueness to who we are. With that said, I want to talk about my ideas and thoughts about being an average somebody because when I first started out, when I was a young little whippersnapper, um, attending Thomas Jefferson High School, hello there, fellow Spartans out there, class of 85, I graduated uh, with a desire to become a political, I was a political science major when I attended the University of Colorado up in Boulder, and I wanted to uh, be a lawyer, maybe eventually get into politics. Um, my dream in life was to be the first Jewish senator from Colorado. I know it was a weird goal, uh, but I was really interested in law and politics. Growing up, my mother made it very clear that I had two directions in my life, either becoming a doctor or a lawyer. I think for her, it was uh, pride in knowing that her son was a doctor or a lawyer, not because she wanted me to help people, was never about help because she wanted me to make a lot of money. Um, but knowing who I am today, had she taken the approach of me helping people, I might have more been inclined to become a lawyer. Doctor, no way. Uh, blood. Uh, ugh, gross. The, the idea of being a lawyer was something that was thrust upon me. And so I went into school wanting to be a lawyer. As I was heading into my sophomore year, I uh, decided that political science was not for me. Um, I hated it, as a matter of fact. Uh, now, um, I'd probably love it, um, but I hated it, and I was miserable, and I wasn't getting good grades, and I discovered sociology, and so I took some sociology classes, and of course, back then, everybody was asking me, you know, what can you do with a major in sociology, and I was like, I, I, I don't know, I mean, if you go to poli-sci, you knew a lawyer, you knew you are going to go to law school, but sociology, I had no clue, but I did learn that if I had a sociology major, maybe I could have a great backup plan, and I applied to the uh, education department at the University of Colorado and got accepted. And so I was becoming a teacher. What happened was um, I had a uh, remarkable teacher, and to this day, probably my most favorite teacher in my life is Mrs. Cameron, Carol Cameron. And if you're out there and you happen to know, man, I she may not even be living. I know uh, it's certainly possible that she has passed, but if she's still around, uh, what I would do to reconnect with her she taught a class called Social Problems. So as I became a sociology major, got involved with education, I changed my dream from becoming uh, a lawyer and becoming a sociology teacher and teaching what the class she taught me in high school called Social Problems. 
So my dream went from law to being a high school teacher of social problems or social studies and coaching um, varsity baseball. That was my dream. And I focused on that for three years. And I remember the time I had made, made the decision to go and become a teacher, I called my dad. And I was really excited because I wanted to tell him, you know, that I was going to be a teacher just like him. And the conversation went something like this. We were talking and I told him I switched my majors and that I was going to become a teacher. And there was like silence at the other side of the phone. I'm like, hello, dad. And the first thing he says is, why in the hell would you want to be a teacher? I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, that's one of the worst professions you can ever enter. Can't you see how miserable I am having to deal with all these kids and these parents and the craziness? What in the world were you thinking? Why would you want to be a teacher? And I tried to give him my reasons. And I don't think, I mean, I do think he was serious because he'd been a teacher for so long. Um, but he saw a big change that was happening in school systems. Uh, in particular, what he did as a music teacher and then being forced into become a computer teacher and then eventually being kicked out of South High School because he wasn't accredited computer teacher. He had the accreditation to be a music teacher, but there were fewer and fewer needs for him to do music. And eventually, like anybody would in their career, got soured, and he was really mad that I was going to go become a teacher and coach varsity baseball. I was proud. Uh, and as I'm talking, I'm reminded of a, another conversation I had uh, with his name is Jimmy O'Connor. Jim O'Connor, he used to own Le Petit Gourmet Catering. And while I grew up in Denver, it was the, uh, the preeminent catering company in, in the state, or in the, even in the tri-state area, and we did some wild things. And I worked for Jimmy uh, and, frankly, learned a lot of my business life beliefs from Jimmy and what I did there as, a, as a, an employee for, for six years as I worked there through high school and college. And I remember telling him that I was going to be a teacher. He also got mad at me and said I was going to waste my time and talent. I was a little offended. I'm like, come on, Jimmy, teachers are good. And he's like, but there's so much other things you can do, and you can make a lot more money. And so it was. I was happy about wanting to be a teacher, and I was planning on being a teacher. But as uh, life had it, I met somebody uh, during that time, and my life took me from Colorado to California, and my teaching credential did not transfer. And so I gave up the dream of wanting to become a teacher, eventually discovered social work and went to Southern California, got a degree in Master of Social Work and also a Master of Art in Nonprofit Executive Management uh, at Hebrew College, and life started happening. And that's partly what this podcast is really about, is our goals and dreams that we have in terms of what we think our life is going to be. One of the things I do a lot is talk about what is called the quarter-life crisis. And many of us, if you're my age and in the uh, 40, 50, 60-year-old range, understand this, what is called the midlife crisis. But simultaneously, there's a, a quarter-life crisis. It's now more prevalent than it ever was. But the quarter-life crisis happens in the mid-20s. And you're trying to figure out who you are and where you're going and how am I going to get there. We all have these dreams about what we want to be and what we want to do. Now, ironically, which is really amazing, is I am now a uh, professor of sociology at a county college here in New Jersey, and I'm also a lecturer at Rutgers University School of Social Work. I coach baseball for a number of years. I even had the opportunity to be the mental training life coach at Division Three baseball school, Rutgers University in Newark. Uh, I also operate and run uh, my town's 
girls softball program. So as life comes full circle, I am a teacher. I am a professor. And frankly, I, if I knew about being a professor and wanting to be a professor all those number of years ago, I would have chosen that path first because uh, I love being a professor. And I am running softball. So even though my dreams were about being a high school teacher and varsity baseball coach, many, many years later, as my life took a journey, I am now teaching and coaching sports. And that's kind of what the root of today's episode is really about, is this journey we decide to take when we're, we're younger. This episode is titled, The Blueprint of Life. And that's because as people, we're socially conditioned as we grow up to what I like to call the blueprint of life. And I know you're familiar with this, and it doesn't matter if you're 60s and your 50s, 40s, 30s, 20s, even if you're currently in the school system now, uh, the blueprint starts off like this. You have to get good grades, and that usually begins, that push of getting good grades begins usually towards the end of grade school and certainly in middle school. And you have to get good grades in order to get into a good college. And you have to get into a good college in order to get a good job. And you have to get a good job in order to make a lot of money. And you have to make a lot of money in order to be happy, successful. Uh, and that's our blueprint of life. And we follow it tooth and nail. But unfortunately, that blueprint is embedded in us before we even graduate from college. And what I've discovered over the course of my own midlife crisis and different elements of my life is that that blueprint that we, even as parents, push on our kids, it doesn't work. It's not effective. It's not right. And it is a uh, piece that is pressed upon us over and over again. It is something that is uh, part of our culture here in this country. And I think across other cultures as well, that uh, if you study hard, you get good grades, you get into a college, somehow it ends up making you happy. And so we have this tremendous pressure on being happy. And we tell our kids, we just want you to be happy. We tell ourselves we want to be happy. And so we equate happiness with some kind of result of things that we do over the course of our life. A plus B equals happiness. And we buy into that mindset because that's what we want. And we honestly buy that mindset so much that when we discover that the blueprint that we've used has been allied to us, we get upset, we get angry, we go into crisis, and we're doing ourselves and our children, most importantly, uh, an ill service, which is what life is really about. So this blueprint about studying hard in grades and somehow equals a sense of happiness is not truthful, that nearly three out of four people are miserable. Dan Pink, who is a phenomenal author and speaker, he shared a very interesting statistic in terms of people's income and how much salaries had increased over a 50-year period as a middle-class person. But people's level of satisfaction, happiness, remained the same, that there was no correlation to being rich and making more money to being happy. The life of an average somebody is me. It's you. It's who we are. We all bought into that idea that in order for us to be happy, somehow you have to have money. And what I want to introduce are what I call my five core principles that maybe helps us rethink this blueprint. It could be an augment. It could be an amendment. It can be an addition to the blueprint for life. First, I am who I choose to be. I choose to be happy. I choose to wake up and see the goodness in everybody. I choose to wake up 
in a matter which who I am. I choose to do my job. I choose to be a husband. I choose to be a father. I am who I choose to be. We are human beings, not human doings. Principle number two is that life is a journey, not a destination. The journey is what this life is about. And there's peaks and valleys and twists and turns. And we have to understand that there is no blueprint in terms of how your life is going to be. I never knew that I'd be living in New Jersey, West Orange, having gone through a divorce, getting remarried, and having four children. I never thought I'd leave Denver, Colorado. Number three, there are no mistakes, only opportunities. The truth is there are no mistakes. They're just life experiences, and we make choices, and sometimes we make choices that are smart, and sometimes we make choices that aren't so smart. But a mistake is something we put as an explanation on an act that came out in a way that didn't necessarily help us. And in hindsight, we call it a mistake. So you cannot knowingly make a mistake. And so if there is a life experience and we learn from that experience, it's an opportunity to learn and grow. Number four is I am greater than I appear to be. And this particular principle goes to the heart of the adolescent, the teenager, or the parent, the single mother, uh, the struggling person who just lost their job that uh, I am certainly greater than I appear to be, that we put this facade on the outside in order for people to think that we're happy. That's why we love Facebook. We post our pictures of our food and our trips and our journeys because we want people to understand that we're happy and we're satisfied. And principle number five is I'm here for a special purpose. And I do believe you're all here for a special purpose. When I teach my sociology students, I often ask, by a show of hands, who here asked to be born? And none of us do. None of us ask to be born. It happens. It's one chance occurrence. It's fate. I believe that we are each here for a special purpose. The challenge is, is trying to figure out what that purpose might be. And sometimes through the journey of our life, we discover what we thought our purpose was supposed to be ends up being something else. And so for me, an average somebody, I thought my purpose was to be a lawyer or a politician. And then it changed. And then I thought it was for me to be a high school teacher of social problems and high school varsity baseball coach. And then it changed. And then I thought it was to be a nonprofit executive. And then it changed. And then I thought it was this. And I've had changes in my life. I, my mother died. My brother died. I got divorced. Um, I've been fired from a couple jobs. And every time I thought I knew what my goals were and my purpose was, it seems to change. And the more and more I think about my special purpose, the less it's about what I do and more about who I am and how I do things and how I see things th through a certain lens. And that is my goal for this podcast, is to help us see different perspectives in our lives for us to appreciate what it means to be an average somebody. So I want to thank you for being part of today's episode. If you'd like, please reach out to me at Coach Randy at Coach Randy Says, or feel free to uh, go to the website, averagesomebody.com. Check me out on my social media handles, at AVG somebody is Twitter at AVG somebody on Twitter and then average somebody on Instagram and let's keep the conversation going. Have a great week.